So if you'll open your Bibles to Romans chapter 3, so we're continuing to make our way through this letter from Paul to the church in Rome. So as you're finding your place, just say that um, this is where we, one of the clearest places we see the doctrine of the justification by Christ, by faith alone, through Christ alone. Um, Martin Luther um, reading uh, Romans 1, 18, where he says the righteousness of God has been revealed from heaven against all unrighteousness, and he says um, that is not good. He didn't like that idea. And then in, in this passage, we, it talks about, um, again, the righteousness of God. And Martin Luther says that he, he hated this idea of the righteousness of God because try as he might, he could not attain this righteousness. And he says, I cling to Paul and I struggle to love what Paul is in love with. But when I think and think about the righteousness of God, it's, it's a scary, terrible thing. And then he um, started studying the Greek text rather than the Latin text, which he had been given to read. And he goes back, ad fontes, to the beginnings as he begins to study Augustine and these different people. And, um, and he reads in the original language that this is not the righteousness that, that God possesses, but a righteousness or, or a righteousness that he demands, but a righteousness that he declares to us. That we are declared righteous. We are given the righteousness of God. So that what God demands from anyone is perfect righteousness. And so Martin Luther discovered that this righteousness was God's righteousness given to us. The righteousness of Jesus Christ given to us by faith. So much so that um, through Luther is now stated that justification by faith alone is the article upon which the church stands or falls. And if we deny the, this particular doctrine of Scripture, that we are just and justified by God um, through faith alone, but in Christ alone, um, and to Him alone be the glory, we get our five solas of the Reformation. Um, if we don't get that, then you don't understand the gospel. Martin Luther came to realize that the righteousness which God requires um, by the, is the righteousness without which we cannot be saved, um, he said, it, it's not mine, but it's the righteousness of Christ credited to me. And this is what he writes. He said, when I discovered that I was born again of the Holy Ghost, he says, when I discovered that, when I discovered that the righteousness with God, which God requires is the righteousness which God gives and that it is outside of myself, when I discovered that I was born again of the Holy Spirit and the doors of paradise swung open and I walked through. So it was this realization of the fact that he was saved by God, given his righteousness. Then the scriptures became clear, and God used him mightily to, to continue the, the reformation of the church. Um, James um, Denny, in his book, um, Death of Christ, writes, There can be no gospel, no good news, unless there is such a thing as the righteousness of Christ given to us. Now, Paul has just spent the last 12 verses to let us know how lost we are without Christ. Lost, lost, lost. So we have to do this. So we go to Revelation, I mean, Romans. If I say Revelation, just it, it's Romans, okay? So Romans um, chapter 3, beginning in verse 9. He says, what then? Are we Jews any better off? No, not at all, for we have charged that all, both Jews and Greeks, are under sin, as it is written. And then this is where he, he lays into us. 
No one is righteous. No, not one. Really not one? No, not one. Aren't you one? Maybe you're righteous. Maybe you're at one of these, right? No, not one. There's no one who's righteous. This is good news. Because if God only saves the righteous, then, you know, we, you should at least know, but that's not me. That's not you. But there are none. So he's got nothing to work with out there. None, no, not one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. They've all turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. This is God's description of humanity apart from Christ in Adam. Even the Jews have to understand that apart from faith in Christ, this is their situation. Man's throat is an open grave. They use their tongues to deceive. The venom of asps is under their lips. Their mouth is full of conceit and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood, and their paths are ruin and misery. And the way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be stopped, and the whole world may be held accountable to God. For by works of the law, no human being, no flesh, will be justified in his sight, since through the law comes knowledge of sin. Okay, so that's where he's got us. And understand this too, you're going to see two words. You're going to see this word, just, justified, justification. You're going to see righteousness and righteous. In, in the original language in Greek, it's dikaiosine. It's all, it's all the same root. So the word just and the word righteous, if a Greek reader was reading this in the original language, he'd see that same word. Not exactly the same word, but it comes from the same root. So to justify means to righteousify. We don't have that word in English. I'd like to invent it. So we've been declared right. You've been declared just. You see how that works? So you've been righteousified. You've been justified. You've been declared righteous in the courtroom of God. You're not just declared not guilty. You're not just pardoned of sin. See, that's a little bit different. We have what's called, there's a good word for you, a good theological word, expiation. That means your sin has been removed from you. And that's true, amen. We see that in the water of baptism. Sin being washed away, it's been removed from you. But you're given something else. You're given the righteousness of God. Okay, so this is what we're going to see because he says in verse 21, I'm just going to read this and then we'll go back and we will um, talk about it for just a few minutes. But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law. Although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And are justified by his grace as a gift through redemption that is in Jesus Christ. Whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness, because in his divine forbearance he had passed over former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time, so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. And this is where we'll, we'll stop. So we have this but now. And the very first thing that comes in the original language, in Greek they talk like Yoda, so they put you know, emphasis word first. The word that they want to put as the emphasizing word, he's going to say it first. And then there's ways to figure out who the subject and object and all this are. So we can say the ball hit the boy. And we know what happened. But the boy hit the ball, that's a better thing. Unless you're playing tag or something like dodgeball or something. And so 
But in Greek, if the main thing was this ball, and the ball hit the boy, they could, and, and they wouldn't say the boy hit the ball, they would say the ball the boy hit, is how we'd say it. But if we were emphasizing the boy, we'd say the boy hit the ball. And so that's how they do it. So in this sentence, what they say is, apart from law. This is the main thing, apart from law. The righteousness of God has now been manifested. So how had it been manifested before? How had it been shown forth and displayed before? Where did we see the righteousness of God? Because he tells us that the law and the prophets had borne witness to it. So as we read you know, back a little bit, we would see that the Old Testament is, is manifesting as well the righteousness of God. It can do that um, in God's wrath. Um, that's the righteousness of God seen. It's also seen in God's forgiveness and grace and calling people. Um, in uh, Genesis 15, 6, we read, Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. And then we see that, that beginning of the gospel that we see there, that this faith of Abraham is credited to him as, as righteousness. And, it's, and then we're told, too, it is a righteousness that he received by faith before he was circumcised. So the circumcision is not what did it for him. It was the faith that did it for him. But then his children are told to be circumcised on the eighth day. Eighth day being an interesting day. That's the day that Jesus' the Savior rose from the dead on the first day of the week, which is the eighth day. But also in Genesis, when we see the fall, um, and Adam and Eve hide themselves, when the Spirit of God comes in the, in the spirit of the day, and he's coming in judgment, and they're hiding from him, and they've hidden themselves, and they're trying to clothe themselves with the fig leaves, trying to make their own righteousness. And, and God says um, to them, no. You know, he clothed them in the skin of an animal. You know, sacrifice, bloodshed, um, pointing forward to the gospel of us being clothed in Jesus Christ. And so we see the gospel being preached throughout the Old Testament. Isaiah 53.1 is very clear. The righteous one, my servant, will make many to be accounted righteous. And he shall bear their iniquities, their sins. And so this is foretold in the Old Testament. So he says, the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law. And this is, it's just... This is one of those sermons where it's like, I, I, I'm going to want to do it again and maybe a third time so I can kind of get it right, maybe. And it's like, you, you just can't get it right because it's too good and it's too glorious because there's too many things in here. This, this thing right here says, apart from the law, what good news is that? So how many people, it's like, I want to go work out in the gym, but I'm a little too out of shape, so I need to get in better shape before I go to the gym. I don't want people to see me looking like that. And it's like, well, <laughs> okay. And, but people do church like that. You know, I'm not good enough. I need to clean myself up. I need to look better, be better, something before I go to church or before I go to Christ. I mean, what if, what if God did demand something? And he does demand something. Faith. And then the good news that we're going to see that happens is he gives that to you. Nothing do you contribute to your salvation except one thing, the Puritans would say. You have contributed one thing to your salvation. Your sin, your need of it. That's what you gave. <laughs> it was just the, the need of your salvation. And then God comes and he manifests the righteousness of God apart from the law. Okay, so, so what's this mean? And the Old Testament and the law says, I'm not making this up, something new. If you know your Old Testament, if you know your Hebrew Scriptures, if you know what you've been studying your whole life before Christ came, 
this should make complete sense to you. It's not new because now it's, it's, it's throwing light on these things in a way that God has taken the mysteries that were put in the Old Testament. Now it's just like, here it is. And everybody should, with faith what just went, ah, I get it. Verse 22, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. All right, so the righteousness of God, this is what's being displayed. This is what's being demonstrated. This is what we are to proclaim. This is the work of the church. If you want to change the world, this is what we proclaim, and you pray for the Holy Spirit, that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God, that people are gripped by this, that the Holy Spirit takes over people with this, and that they begin to understand the truth of this, that this is the righteousness of God through faith. Now, here's the neat thing, and you're going to see this. It's going to be said by Paul in just a minute. God doesn't save you because of your faith. Heretic, heretic. We live in an area, and we live in a time, we live in a day when there are certain theologies that rule the popular day. If you go to Christian bookstores, or you go to a bookstore and look at the Christian sections, it is difficult to find anything that's any good on there. But it's mighty easy to find things that are extremely popular. And the popular theologies of the day are not necessarily biblical, but they, they're, they're basically psychological. They make you feel good. It's about us. It's about um, how we can do better. It's about how we can be happier. It's about you know, how we can be, sometimes how you can be wealthier and things like this. But the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ proclaimed here is that righteousness of God is through faith. And I just said that faith isn't the reason that God saves you. Faith is just a, a means. Faith is a conduit. Um, you remember those, the deep sea divers? I think that's what they call them. The guys that, I don't know if they still do it or not. They probably just have apps for all this stuff. But you wear that suit and you got the big round goldfish looking thing. And it's got that screen in front of it. And you put it there. Well, and they, they throw you down in the water. And um, you're able to go deeper than anybody else can because of the pressure and stuff. Um, but if they forget one thing, you're dead. And it's that little pipe that goes up where they would, and in the old movies, they're pumping the air down to you so you can read. So what's saving them? That pipe or that air? Or that guy cranking that thing? You know, what is it? Or the guy that designed all that stuff. You know, what's going on? How do you, that's what faith is. Faith is our connection to the righteousness of God. It's that conduit where it flows to us. And, that, and it comes down to us, our Holy Spirit. And this is, this is that through faith. How do we get the righteousness of God? Through this faith. And so you would think, so what we'd tell people is, believe, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. Yes and amen. So without faith, how do I believe that? See, it's that chicken and the egg kind of problem too. It's like, how do I have faith in something before I have faith? And so there's either the idea that every person has the ability within themselves to conjure up faith. Or, and I'll show my hand, the biblical teaching that everybody, everybody is dead in their trespasses and sins. And he, the prophet tells um, Ezekiel to prophesy over these dry bones. Dry bones. Always seem kind of odd, dry bones. You know why they're dry, right? Because they've been out there so long. You know, they're, they're, if you eat a piece of chicken, they're, they're not dry bones you end up with. That's, that's later. These bones are they're, they're getting dusty. And God speaks over dry bones, and they come to life. 
Jesus says to Lazarus, after three days, and the King James says, and he stinketh. And not Jesus, but Lazarus. And so Lazarus is dead in the tomb after three days, and Jesus says, Lazarus, come forth. Here's the thing. How did Lazarus hear that? He's dead. Dead men can't hear anything. How do you hear it? It's not like Lazarus sitting there dead waiting to hear something. He's dead. And so the Word of God has the power of God to bring dead men to life and then obey the, the Word of God. Now, Jesus could have said, Now, Lazarus, if you want me to bring you back to life, come on out here. Walk down the aisle. We've moved the stone over. Come on down. Lazarus, can you, you know, do it. And you're just talking to dead people. But unless the Spirit of God makes somebody alive, they can't hear the Word of God. So this is the work of God. And we hinder the work of God if there's a way to do that by not believing the promises of God that He works through the preaching of His Word. That the worst sinner you know is not that much worse than you are. And that's what He's teaching. That the worst sinner you know is not that much worse than you are, except for the grace of God that's been given to you. So you're not out there trying to reach people worse than you. You're trying to reach people that just like you. Uh, maybe there's a lot, some, a lot of non-believers are better than us when it comes down to it. If you're just going to put you know, outward behavior on the scale, um, I'm sure there's things that we do that are a lot worse than some you know, pagan people, but that's our righteousness. What we're connected to is God's righteousness. All have sinned. So he says there's no distinction. Let me, all right, 22. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ. Now, in the original language, it says this is the faith of Jesus Christ. So that could mean you're saved by Jesus Christ's faith. But that's not the way Paul typically talks. And you're able to do some stuff and, and see what this can mean. It could be that because Jesus was faithful and he had great faith and he offered himself in these things and you can be saved. But what he's talking about right here is, and the, the way I've best seen, and this is people who are much better at Greek than I am, have said this is the way it would be easiestly, easiestly, I'm not even good at English, would be it, translated in English is this is Jesus Christ faith. This is Jesus Christ faith. This isn't just faith. Somebody's going to have faith. Oh, you've got to have faith, faith, faith. Oh, I don't even know what that song's about. So, but you've got to have faith. It doesn't matter what you have faith in. I talked to a lady one time. She said she was praying for me, and she wasn't a believer. And I was so excited. She's praying. To, oh, and I found a lady. She's praying to a bird outside her window. I was like, no, that's not Jesus Christ faith. That's bird faith. You, you, you got nothing. The object of your faith is what saves you. The object of your faith is what saves you. Your faith, the quality of your faith, the depth of your faith, it does affect how much of this air you can get. But without faith, it's impossible to please God. It's impossible to have his righteousness. But what we're seeing is, it is this Jesus Christ faith. Now, a lot of people have faith in Jesus Christ, and they believe very much wrong things about him. Um, Mormons uh, and Jehovah's Witnesses. They call this person Jesus Christ, but when you say, who are you talking about? They've created some other, uh, some other God. Not the Jesus Christ of Scripture. Not the Jesus Christ that can save. There's only one thing that can bring us the righteousness of God is true Jesus Christ faith. Jesus Christ faith. We all want to love people. We want to look at people and say, well, bless your heart. You sincerely believe what you believe. And sincerely you do. 
But it, I'm not the one that came up with this. God says it's only Jesus Christ's faith that's, going, faith that's going to save you. So you do nobody any favors by patting them on the head and say, oh, you're so sweet. Go believe what you want to believe. You don't do that to your children. Mama, I can just run across that interstate. I don't even have to look both ways. Well, bless your heart. Just go do it. You know, you'll figure it out you know, when you're hit by a car. You don't do that. Love speaks the truth, and it speaks the truth in love. But the only way you can be saved is through Jesus Christ's faith, and it is the righteousness of God that comes through this faith for all who believe. There's no distinction, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And so we have this one way of salvation for all people. So it's only through faith in Jesus Christ, but it is to anyone who believes. So it doesn't matter what your past was like. It doesn't matter what your background is. It doesn't matter what race, what, whatever. This is the gospel of Jesus Christ for all because all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And that's an, another. Every little phrase in Paul is very interesting. <laughs> so what's that mean? All have sinned. Okay, all have sinned. Now you might not notice this when you just read it. That's a past tense thing. All, and I believe he's even talking about future people, have sinned. How is that possible? Well, this is the doctrine of original sin in Adam. We're represented by Adam. In him, we've sinned. We're born sinners. You sin out of an outworking of that. Your sin makes you more sinful, but it doesn't make you more of a sinner. You, you do this because it's your own fruit. Apple trees come from apples. Some apple, my, apple trees might have more apples than others. It's still an apple tree. And if it's a bad tree, it's just a bad tree. It's going to produce bad fruit. No matter how much of the bad fruit, it's just bad. But we've all sinned. And not only in Adam, but if you've lived long enough, you begin to see, I recognize ways I've sinned. And if you continue in your faith as you go back and think back about things you've done in your past, you have shame over stuff you've done in the past. I read something the other day that gave me a little hope about that because it said, that means you're growing. That you actually look back and are ashamed or embarrassed by stuff you've done in the past. That means if you were, you now look back at your, I mean, this is, I, I hate it for our children because everything is on video. I mean, the good things are wonderful, but, you know, there's bad things. I don't have a whole lot of the bad things I did that were on video, but I have some conversations. There's one, con I don't want to get into it. There's a conversation I have with my father-in-law, and, um, and he was just having a good conversation. I'm sitting there talking, and I'm, I'm listening to it, and I'm like, shut up, Johnny. You're an idiot. Why do you keep, what is, oh, please, let's get past this. It wasn't anything sinful. It was just something stupid about borrowing money and this kind of thing, and it was just stupid. And I'm like, oh. So then I look at it, and say, hey, that means I've grown. If I were sitting there, I'd be groaning. I'd be listening to myself going, bless his heart. <laughs> And just, so you grow. So as you look back, it's one of the things we say, that we're able to see the work of God in our lives. That progression isn't why God saved you. That progression isn't what made God love you. That's the progression we have in our lives is the evidence of God's work in our lives. So we give him the praise. Faith is an evidence of God's work in your life. Faith isn't the thing that God now says, hey, that one's got it. I'm going to, you know, I used to picture God in heaven with his fingers crossed, hoping that somebody would get it. You know, so I'm praying for somebody to come to faith. And he's up there, come on, come on, come on. And then when he finally does it, now I spring into action. And the Bible teaches and Paul teaches that it'll never happen. That 
And we just read it in the other part. There are none who are righteous. No, not one. Nobody seeks. Nobody does. They say they do. They're looking for things. But as soon as, without any working of the Holy Spirit, as soon as the righteousness of God is understood in some way as being needed, then uh, the natural man is going to be repulsed by that. And so it takes a working of the Holy Spirit. And faith comes by hearing. So, all have sinned and fall short of glory of God. Now he goes, and are justified. So you have to go back a little bit for this, because that, for all have fallen short of the glory of God. Oh, what's it mean to fall short of the glory of God? Um, everybody has sinned, and we fall short. We have fallen short. We are falling short of this glory of God. We're supposed to be glorious. We're supposed to... Adam and Eve, as we read in our confession this morning, Adam and Eve were created with original righteousness. Um, shiny, bright, perfect, holy, wonderful. Open communion with God. Not one sin. Committed beautifully. And then the fall happens. And I don't think we have a clue as to the level of the fall. How much Adam lost. It wasn't just like he also all of a sudden realized he's naked. I mean, we've had those... You know, nightmares, I guess, where it's like you show up to school and it's like, oh no, you know, it's worse. And you had, he, he was beautiful. And then he falls so far. And we've all lost that glory of God. But for those who believe, they are justified by his grace as a gift. All right, so you are justified, meaning, and this is where Luther understood what it meant, you are declared righteous. Court of law, courtroom of God, he's standing there. You know, here's your judgment. You're about to be judged for everything you've ever done, every thought, every word, every deed, everything that's ever come into your, anything. You're going to be judged with the white, hot holiness of God. And what he's done in the courtroom for the believer, he has said, I declare you righteous. And you're like, what? I declare you Righteous. That's, that's better than not guilty. That is righteous. Well, what righteousness do I have? Well, it says right here, you obeyed the law perfectly. That you are in Christ Jesus. You're not in Adam. You're in Christ Jesus. So you are declared righteous. How? It says, by his grace as a gift. Now, this is where... I want a Bible, and I think there's some out there, that do a little better job of keeping these things in the Greek word order. It makes less sense when you read it, but it makes more sense when you read it slowly. So it says in the Greek, literally, that you are, let's see, I wrote, I wrote this down, you are gift justified, you are giftly justified. This word freely or as a gift, comes, it modifies the word justified. So how are you justified? Giftly, freely, as a gift. This is a gift to you. Your justification, it's a gift. And it's done by his grace. So they're doubling up two concepts for your justification, for your being declared righteous. It is done as a gift, and it's being done out of his grace. Now his grace is completely uncoerced action of God. He has done this thing not at all because of anything you've done. Because anything you've done deserves his wrath. 
So the grace of God is in spite of you deserving his wrath. The grace of God says God has done this out of his mere good pleasure. As a gift, you have been declared righteous. But it's only the believers who are declared so. And then he says how he did that is through the redemption that is in Jesus Christ. I got four minutes. Redemption in the Septuagint, which is the Greek translation of the Old Testament. So these guys that would know their Old Testament would hear this word, um, hilasterion. They hear redemption. They got a couple things. The mercy seat on top of the ark is called the, the, the propitiation seat. It's called, well, I jumped ahead of myself. Redemption is what happened when God took Israel out of Egypt and redeemed them out of bondage. So that's a part of what happens to a believer. You're being redeemed. You're being brought out of bondage. But for the Roman hearer that would have read this about this word redemption, it was a, a POW who was captured, which is why you're a POW, a, a prisoner of war, uh, a condemned criminal, and especially slaves had the ability to buy themselves out of the, their bondage or their slavery so they could be redeemed. Somebody could redeem them or they could redeem themselves out of this. So Jesus Christ is our redemption. He has purchased us. He has paid for this free gift of righteousness. And the purchase the price is so beyond all measure. It's the Son of God that had to pay this price for our sins. So one, it tells you how terrible your sin is. And it tells you how gracious the gift is. That it's not just something that God said. It's costly. It's free to us. It, at a great price, God purchased a free gift for us. Now, you might have done something like that for a friend or for a child or a spouse or something where you, you've sold something or gave something of great value at great cost to yourself in order to freely give it to somebody else. And that's what God did at great value. He, would, he gave us justification. He proclaimed us just through the redemption that's in Christ. And then he talks about Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood. Okay, who God put forward. This is talking about God the Father when Paul talks about that. God put Jesus Christ forward. You don't have Jesus in heaven saying, Father, I see how angry, angry you are at all these people. Now, 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 calm down just a minute. I, 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 I got a plan. I got a plan because I'm thinking what you could do is punish, punish me instead of them. And, 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 and then um, you, you can set them free. Father, could you do this? And Father, <clears throat> yes, I will do it to go. You know, that's the way we think of it. Yeah, it's terrible. It's like demons up in here. So, because that's not who God is. God came up with this plan. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, the Trinity. It's called perichoesis. It's a total working of God in our salvation. So that God saw fallen humanity and said, Son, I have a plan. I saved these people. And glorify you at the same time. And Jesus says, yeah, this is the heavenly council, how do they talk? Yeah, and Jesus, Son of God, is saying, Father, we're on the same page. I mean, they, they, you know, they're one, so you know, how do you make this sound human? But it's like, I want to I go and do this. I want to go, go become a human. Yeah, and this was all planned before the foundations of the world. This isn't like 
later on they're coming up with this plan. They're like, okay, how are we going, what are we going to do? And then the, father, the son is like, I can, I can glorify you the most by demonstrating our love and sacrificial love for a people who deserve nothing but wrath. And it will be to your glory because you're going to give them to me and I'm going to present them to you and you're going to present them to me as a bride without spot or wrinkle. And through the Holy Spirit, we're going to have a people that are all one and they're going to be worshiping and glorifying you because there's going to be your righteousness, my righteousness, and I'm going to earn. It's just like this wonderful thing that God comes up with. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit demonstrating his love on the cross, his love for justice, but also his love for you on the cross. These are the things that he's done. God the Father and God the Son through the Holy Spirit demonstrating the great love for which he has. So he puts him forward as a propitiation and it's just a word that means an atoning sacrifice so that when the wrath of God is poured out on Jesus, there's no more wrath at all for the believer. There's none. And so that's more good news. Do you feel like you're under the wrath of God? Well, if you're a believer in him, you're not. You're just going through life. You may be going through terrible trials. You may be under his fatherly displeasure because you're living in sin. I don't know. But it's not wrath. It's love. It's nothing but love. Be very careful about looking at everything that happens in your life and see all these hard things that happen. And you go, if I could just learn, God's trying to teach me something. Don't make it all about you. You're going through life. Life is hard. One day, You'll be glorified. The sufferings of this present world aren't worth being um, compared to the glory that awaits us. And what we hope to hear one day, and a believer will hear, is well done, good, faithful servant. You get through it. We'll get through it. You get through it together. This is why we're here, to encourage one another, to love one another, to have the gospel preached, to sit under the preaching, to, to see water dunked on somebody's head, and to have me, and I'm thinking, I'm thinking, wow. I just thought about Dr. Kelly. This is like he's standing on a cross and blood's gushing out on this guy's head. The Holy Spirit is pouring out. That's what's happening through the preaching the gospel. That's what happened to us through the preaching the gospel. That's what we have to look forward to. We go out into the world. We carry that out there with us. Nothing, we're like Teflon. Nothing really sticks to us out there. So, you, so we live in, in, that, in that righteousness. It's to be received by faith, to show God's righteousness, because in his divine forbearance, he'd passed over former sins. I mean, he hasn't really, you know, you see all the Old Testament. Why isn't God killing people, striking everybody dead? Why is God not just dealing with sin? As he, and it's like, here, it's here now. Now you see it, because I'm dealing with it in Jesus Christ. This is where I demonstrate my justice and, and, and my righteousness. And for those who are not in Christ Jesus, if he would treat his own son that way, you see an image of what sin deserves is to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus so that he can forgive us without making his hands dirty. He doesn't declare us to be innocent when we're guilty. He deals with our sin first. So let's pray. Father God, you've washed us clean. If there are those here who doubt whether they're in in you or not, I pray that they would... um, take their faith and use it to dig deeper into your word, to, to pray, to think, to, to contemplate your promises, and that you would reach them with a, a great assurance of your reality and your grace and your mercy, that we would all, as we come to your table, be assured of the fact that, you, that the invisible God is making himself visible and saying, 
This is my body, which is given for you. This is the blood of the new covenant, which is given for you, for your sin. So Lord, we thank you that one day we will see you as you are because we'll be as you are. Help us to believe more. Help us to proclaim this good news of Jesus Christ to a dark world. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.